Young women have been growing up with an indoctrination of what womanhood is and what it should be. They've been taught everything that is in direct opposition to the Word of God. Young women who want to be different from the world are rare, but they are real. On this Rare But Real podcast, Audrey Brogy will often be joined by her daughter, Grace Anna, and her daughters-in-law, Maureen, Kesset, and Marilyn, who desire to be discerning in a day when everything seems to go against God's design. Join them in the journey of becoming rare but real. It takes courage and conviction. And now, Audrey Brogy. Hey there. I am so glad to be able to record this podcast today. And for those of you who might not know, I'm actually recording this on my 65th birthday. And I kept thinking all week long, what better time to do a podcast on the role of older women than on this particular day, which is, um, I guess, for lack of a better word, a special birthday, kind of a line of demarcation or whatever. And it made me think a lot, even last week, because I made the trip uh, up to Raleigh, um, North Carolina, where my son-in-law serves as a pastor at Capital Community Church. And some of the women, an older woman's Sunday school class in their church gave a shower for my daughter and her new baby, Truman. And once again, I was just struck with the ministry that older women are supposed to have in the lives of younger women, and not just from a baby shower, or um, even though that is such a, a neat way to invest and have a ministry in the lives of young women. But it was an avenue where I thought about it a lot as I looked at these women who love my daughter and love her family and me as her mom being so grateful that there are a group of women who care about her and who are there for her and who she can um, reach out to if she needs encouragement or if she needs uh, help with anything. And it made me think of my church. It made me think of my role in the church and just the heart that by God's grace, he's given me to have a an ongoing ministry in the lives of young women who are coming up around me. Because I was once that young woman and I was uh, one time the young mom and or the even the young single woman and I was looking to up to an older generation who I uh, was hoping would have time to invest in my life so I want to talk a little bit about that today and um, and this and what I'm drawing from is um, some things that I've shared at our church when over the years when I've challenged older women to understand their biblical role and what they should be doing as they reach the older elder years, the older years of their lives. And I just want to share that with you all. You know, when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said this about his duty to the older people in his congregation. And he said this, do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, the older women as mothers. And then in reference to older widows, he made this these statements, Honor widows who are widows indeed, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now she who is a widow indeed and who has been left alone has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day, but she who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. 
prescribe these things as well so that they may be above reproach. You know, I think about this because in this passage, Paul is laying out the heart of God for taking care of the older women in the church who have no family to care for them. You know, he's very clear that if a woman has family and she needs caretaking, then her children or grandchildren are supposed to be the ones to do it. God calls it in this passage a return, and he also says it's acceptable to him. And of course, we all know that's the way God designed it, or we should know that from the scripture. That's the way God designed the family. Parents take care of the children, and when or if there come a time when parents need care, the children and grandchildren look after them. But there's something else that God says in this passage. He makes it very clear that there are older women, yes, older women, even in the church, who give themselves to wanton pleasure. Now think about that word wanton for a second. It's an old word. I mean, it's a very old word. We don't really use it. We don't don't usually say that, well, she's a wanton woman. We don't really use that word much anymore. But it means that it means hard to control, a woman who's hard to control, a woman who is undisciplined, a woman who is unruly. But it also means that you know, she might be mean, she might be cruel, she might be uh, lewd, she might be, you know, one of the definitions said body, B-O-W-D-Y, and of course, I had to look that word up. What does body mean? Well, it means indecent, it means raunchy, it means filthy, it means smutty, and it can also mean causing um, inappropriate um, lust and uh, sensual in a, in a negative way. All kinds of uh, ways. It's, it's not a good word. You know, it's just not a good word. And when Paul uses it, he says, you know, um, but she who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. I mean, it's pretty sad that he uses that um, description because, you know, it, it, its definition fits the image of an older woman we think about it, the kind of older women we see all over the place in our world. You know, it's, it, it, in fact, it's not really that, I mean, it might be an old-fashioned word, but it's certainly not an old-fashioned concept. And of course, God in this passage is contrasting two kinds of older women in 1 Timothy 5. And think about it. Let me read that verses 5 and 6 in 1 Timothy 5 again. He said, now she who is a widow indeed and who has been left alone has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. Contrast that with the but. She who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. Such a difference God is showing us here. Now, all of us as women, we can shrug our shoulders and say, well, sure, there's a bunch of wanton older women out there. I mean, yeah, we all know that. But, you know, I mean, think about it just for a second. I mean, you turn on the television, you read the latest women's whatever you want to call it, just stuff that's aimed and geared towards women, just go to the movies. And, you know, we know what's going on now with all the movies, all the movies that are aimed toward women. We know it's out there. And then, but then you think, well, what about you and me? What about those of us who claim godliness? What about those of us who claim to know the Lord? What about older women in the church, those making that claim to godliness? Well, here's the thing that you see all throughout scripture is God calls us to to something so different. He calls us to something so radical. He challenges us to be different. And he's very clear in his word about how he designed us as women. He's very clear about the role he wants us to play as women and how women should grow older gracefully. 
you know that that we're that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to embrace our age, and and especially because he has a role he wants us to fill in his church, and it is his church. He gave his life for his church. You know, Proverbs says, "A wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands." And here's the thing, God wants us as we grow into our older years to be the kind of women who support, who give help, who uh, impart wisdom, who care, who give encouragement, who build homes. He wants us to be that in the church. But you think about it, so many older women today, are they're just plain foolish. I don't even know another word to say about it. They do foolish things. They make foolish choices. They waste time. They're foolish in their relationships with one another. Maybe it's because they've never been taught. Maybe they are just ignorant. Or maybe they just fill their minds with so much of the world's foolishness that they just have no heart for the things of God. And of course, even as I say that, I'm not really saying that as a put down. It's just a fact. So many women are just unaware because they really don't know any better and they just follow this world system, as Ephesians says. But others are foolish because they don't really want to know better. Or they maybe they do know better, but they've rejected the better. In other words, they're making a choice to be foolish. And foolish in their minds, for some reason, is more fun. It, there's no accountability. They're free. There's no one telling them that maybe their choices are wrong. So I don't know. It's my prayer, and it has been for a long time. Number one, when I was like a young woman, I just always prayed that I would grow in, to, to, in wisdom as I uh, celebrated birthday after birthday, that God would help me grow into the kind of woman he wanted me to be. You know, when I was in my 30s, it seemed like such a long time until I would be in my 60s. Well, those, those days are here, and because, you know— Unless the Lord takes us home, he has us here and we grow older. And he wants us um, as women to understand what his call is in our lives, what his charge is for us, what his challenge is to us as older women. And he wants us to be the kind of women who will respond to him and let him use us in the church until he takes us home to be with him. But you know what? If you're a typical American older woman who fills her heart and mind with the trivial stuff that this world offers... You know, we, we, we won't make any changes. We'll miss out on what God has for us. We will waste and squander our elder years. And I don't want to be one of those women that does that. I don't want to waste it. Whatever uh, years I have left on this earth, I want to use them for God's glory. And I want the Lord to continue challenge. I want him to continue to challenge me to a higher and nobler way of life. And by his grace, I want to challenge you in that way. So whether you are a 20-something woman who's listening to this podcast, or you are a 30-something woman, or maybe you're even a teenager, or maybe you're in your 50s, whatever age you're in, please take these things to heart because the years will come and go and we need to invest them well. And again, Titus chapter 2, you've heard me say this verse a lot, but it really is a, a bedrock for us as Christian women. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women. You know, I'll stop it there because and I just want to remind you that the context of these verses is found in a book where God is revealing his heart about his church, not just about the older women. He covers every group in the church. He covers the role of the pastor. He covers 
covers the role of the elders. He covers the role of every single group within the church. And he's specifically telling believers how they should live out what they say they believe. So when you look at the book as a whole, and you'll see that the first chapter deals with the leadership in the church, with how important sound doctrine is within the church. And it's in this context that God gives those a series of commands for God's people. Now think about it. The ones pertaining to women are very unpopular, and they're unpopular because they stand in stark contrast to today's thinking. But here's the thing. It was the task of Titus, and it's the uh, the task of every faithful pastor today to hold the church accountable for living out what God says in his word. And part of the way God wants that to take place is through the relationships older women have in the younger women's lives. Y'all, this is so very important. And so this letter to Titus was written in a time when there was all kinds of terrible teaching going around. And so you see even in First and Second Timothy, you know, First and Second Timothy and Titus are called the pastoral epistles, letters, and Paul is addressing the danger of turning away from the truth and even confusing the truth. And so in verses 10 and 11, he says, and this is in chapter one, he says, there are a lot of rebellious men. There's a lot of empty talkers and deceivers who are upsetting whole families. And oh my, isn't that the truth today? And the reason he gives is because they were teaching things they ought not to teach. That's going on today. I mean, we have these churches who are doing at the movies series and just teaching ridiculous things from their pulpits. And you think about the family problems within the church we've had over the years because we follow the culture concerning women's roles, women's issues, uh, and, and, and just the role of the family. And it seems relationships among women, or even the, the girlfriend mentality, has taken priority over the relationship a wife is supposed to have with her husband, or that a mother is supposed to have with her children. And it seems that there's a growing trend to reject the maleness of men, either turn him into a male version of a female or just go with the women and push men to the side. I mean, we know this is true. We're seeing it. We're just seeing it so much um, right in front of us. And so when Paul wrote to Titus, he warned that many would profess to know God, but then he says by their deeds, they would deny him. That they are, And he uses words like being detestable, disobedient, worthless for any good deed. And of course, he uses the word profess, many profess. And of course, what does it mean to profess? That's something we say. And of course, deeds, that's something we do. So if you put those two things together, you think, well, does what I say express itself by what I do? In our culture, you know, and maybe even particularly in the South, I don't know, we women go to church, we have a soft soft spot for Jesus, but you know, if someone starts challenging the choices I make, I just might get mad at them. If someone tells me that maybe that's not a wise decision, I might just get mad at them. I might just fold my arms and leave. You know, leadership in the church, wow, we women know better. No man's going to tell me what to do. We know what Bible studies we need. We know what books we should read. And I don't, and so many times we don't want anyone to advise us. No one better point out that women who profess Christ ought to dress like they know him, ought not to parade themselves in bikinis and skimpy clothing, whether in person or on social media. No one better say that flirting with men who are not their husbands is unacceptable. No one better point out that some relationships they have with other women are not God honoring and not healthy. No one better point out any in any way how behavior should match profession. I mean, that's kind of where we are sometimes. 
You know, but we as women who know Christ, we don't want to be that way. We want people pointing out things to us. We want to grow in godliness because if God has changed us, if he's if He's saved us, then we have a teachable heart and we want to grow in our understanding of what God says. And in fact, that's what we see in the scripture, that God's concern is that we grow up. He doesn't want us confused. He wants us to know the truth. He wants us to live the truth. And he wants us not to be afraid of telling the truth with so much graciousness and so much compassion, yet the truth nonetheless. So, you know, here's the thing. (laughs) When you continue reading this particular book, God doesn't mince words. He's very straightforward. He's very clear. I just love that. I often say to young women, I'm talking to you know, God's word is clear. It's not foggy. It's just that we are the ones so often that say, well, did he really say that? Did he really mean that? And of course, I love the way he says to Pastor Titus, In chapter 2, he begins it with saying, But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. I mean, even that term, things fitting. So what he's saying now is you've got to speak the kind of lifestyle that fits with the teaching in the everyday moments of living. You've got to explain how theology affects lifestyle choices. And of course, there's a great need for us as women to understand theology so that we know how it applies to our lives. And it's only as we understand proper theology that can that we can really know how to make proper choices in life. And of course, that's what Paul says when he writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, preach the word, he says, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. And then he goes on and says, because the time's going to come when they're not going to endure sound doctrine. They won't want to hear it. They'll want to have their ears tickled and they will accumulate for themselves teachers that they like in the way Paul says it is in accordance to their own desires. And they will turn away their ears from the truth and they will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. So what God is telling us is that he knows the people in the congregation will sometimes resist to these calls for holy living and that it can even be discouraging for a pastor, but he wants the pastors to keep teaching and keep reminding, help the people see the truth face to face, help them apply it in their lives. And so I love that. I love even the last part of that chapter when he says, you know, these things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So that's what he says. And of course, when you look at verse two, he says, older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith and love and perseverance. Older women, likewise. So what we see here, it's, it's here we find that call, that charge, the challenge for women's ministry in the church and how it ought to function, how it ought to be. You know, one, one time um, I was talking to a woman and she said to me, um, but that's not the only way. That's the only way to have women's ministry. And of course, I don't think she fully understood what she was saying, but this is the only way. I mean, this is the way God lays out in Scripture. Uh, you know, how it fleshes out it can happen in all kinds of ways, but this is God's way. And of course, what we see here is how Paul begins with the older women. And in this passage is referring to women in the church who are, yes, older in years, maybe 60 years and above, if you understand the rest of scripture. But the application is for all of us, because if you're 18, you're an older woman to an 11-year-old girl, and you're a younger woman to a 35-year-old woman. So in one sense, this passage is for all women, if you are older than anyone. But God is clearly speaking to those women who are aging, the women who are of, are of the older generation. 
you know, people are living longer. I mean, think about this. You know, Americans are older. We know it's here. We see it all around us. And I suppose in some ways we laugh at it. It's quite common to laugh at aging these days, referring to senior moments. And when I'm old, I shall wear purple. But there's also, as we all know, a certain sadness that comes with aging because there are negative aspects to getting older. That's true. You know, we hear that little statement. In fact, I've heard it a lot um, in, in recent times from some of my aunts, my mother's sisters, who will repeat that phrase that says growing old isn't for sissies, that type of thing. Um, but because they, because we know, we, we know it. We know there's sadness to Ecclesiastes speaks to this. We feel it when we take care of aging parents. I know I feel it as I'm taking care of my mother along with my siblings. But for Christian, it's also a time to be rewarded as a crowning time of life, you know, with a level of spiritual maturity that you cannot have in your youth. You can be as wise as you can be for a 15-year-old or a 25-year-old or a 45-year-old, but you haven't lived 60 years. You haven't lived 70 years. There's Wisdom should be gained with each passing year. At least that's the way it's supposed to be, especially for those who know Christ. All people who have walked walked with the Lord for any length of time, begin to see the closing out of life on this earth as opening the door to seeing Jesus face to face. And if we are growing in Christ, we realize even more with each passing day and each passing year that we don't want to waste time. We're not going to be like the foolishness of, of our, our, um, our world where older people are just squandering their time. So for the growing Christian, getting older is supposed to put us in a situation where we truly have something to pass down. It enables us to be the leaders and the mentors and the models and the examples for those who are coming up behind us. I know that's what I want. It's supposed to be a very rewarding, rich time, a good time, but not for all the selfish reasons that so many in our society push for us. And so we see right here in Scripture, God gives the care and he gives the discipleship of the young women to the older women. Basically, he just hands them to the older women because he knows that young women need godly older women. Young women need those who can help them evaluate if what they're thinking is right that um, or, or whether it is uh, important in the grand scheme of things. Older women can help steady the young women as they share life experiences and even how they grew through those particular times in their lives. And and because we're women, we can relate to how they're feeling. And we, we need to remember what it was like to be a young woman who was in the throes of mothering or who was dealing with a husband who was hard to deal with so that we can help them and instruct them. That's what young women need. And that's what God says. They need the godly older women who have have come and gone, who have been there to instruct them to show the path of righteousness. They don't need a bunch of older women who just say, I've been there, done that, now it's my time and I want to be selfish. They don't need that. They need us to help them. They even need to to learn from our mistakes as we share uh, those kinds of things as well. And again, it's why it's so sad when older women squander their time or become foolish in their old age or become very, very selfish. So the aging of Christian women is supposed to be a blessing. And I don't think so many of us as older women totally understand that. You know, we don't understand that it's the older and old women in the congregation who are the ones who can give strength, stability, and wisdom. 
older believing women who stick around and who are involved and serve our church make it a better place. It really does. I think of a lot of the older women in our church. It just makes it a richer place. That is, if they live godly and if they walk with God. And of course, if you're listening to this podcast, I I really want to encourage you if you are an older woman. And of course, this spans the years. But, you know, please serve in your local church. Be in a good Bible-teaching local church and be available. And, and be available in your church before you're available in all these outside Bible studies and groups and community service types of things. Of course, I'm not saying not to do those things, but I am saying employ your gifts in the body first. Be available there first. Because so many older women are just scattered. They're here, there, yonder. They dabble in a lot of things. And I know as a pastor's wife now for 30 plus years, um, I just know I need older women in the church that I can uh, direct young women to. That I can say, this is a woman that is available and, and she will help you through this stage in your life. She will help you, and I can trust her, and she she wants to give her time to you if she can. And, of, and of course, one of the things uh, I want to have uh, as a result of even doing this podcast is to encourage you to be that kind of woman, to just be available, to be a friend, you know, to, to feel that kind of need in your church. And, um, and, and I also want to encourage you as older women not to listen to the lies of our world. You know, older women in a fellowship— of believers are a treasure, and, but only if we walk with God, only if we remain faithful. And if when we do that thing, we bring this spiritual experience, we bring a spiritual strength, we bring a lot of wisdom to the young women. So, you know, it's, it's, it's so important because really there's no value in being an old woman if you're not godly. There's really not. You know, I want to read that passage in Titus again. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. And then he says, likewise, or in the same way, just the same, older women are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. So what he's saying here is that older women, just like the older men, are to be spiritually responsible. They're to demonstrate godly character. It's so important. In fact, it's so important in the church that they don't do it there to be rebuked. In fact, that's what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 5. He says, if you have to rebuke an older woman, rebuke her as a mother, but the rebuke is to be gracious. I mean, think about it. It's hard to rebuke your mother, and it should be hard to rebuke your mother. When things are difficult, we tend to give it a lot of thought. When we love someone and we have to rebuke them, we're careful to do it rightly. But sometimes it's so true. Older women need to be rebuked, but it has to be done gently and lovingly and graciously and kindly, and they must be treated with the dignity and respect that a mother deserves, and especially true for our day. I mean, y'all, I know I've said it many times in the podcast already, but we really are living in days of gross foolishness among older Christian women. All you have to do is look at social media, what older women write, and, and the pictures that even older women post. You know, the ones who should be examples and role models it's 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 not good i mean i think this is one of the reasons i have this love-hate relationship with social media you know when a young woman makes foolish statements or she puts up foolish photos or immodest photos at least you know she's young 
And you think, well, she needs to grow on mature. She's on a trajectory. Hopefully she's growing in godliness and she'll be embarrassed later on by what she's posting today if she continues to grow. And then she'll go back and she'll take some of these things down. But when a self-proclaimed godly older woman does this, I don't know. She's just telling on herself. So sometimes it is necessary to confront an older woman because of her sin. And maybe some of us older women um, who are listening to this podcast, we need to go home and clean up our social media. Maybe some of the younger women who are listening to this podcast need to go home and clean up your social media. I'm not your judge, but think about it. Think about what you post and what you say and what you write and say, does this honor the Lord? Is this glorifying to Him? And of course, then there's rebuke on a personal level. You know, it it has to be done graciously. You come alongside and appeal to her with respect that you would give to a mother. And you do it according to Matthew 7. You take the log out of your own eye first and you do it according to Galatians 6. You know, the scripture says, Brothers, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. So we are to give respect to the older generation of women, yet we are to hold them accountable for their behavior and accountable for maturity and godliness. They're to be respected, but they are also to be holy. And when they are, they lead the way. I mean, really, we lead the way. God wants us to lead the way for the biblical pattern of relationships among uh, women, among believing women. You know, we become the mentors, the models for a level of godliness that will influence the congregation, including the men in our lives, including the younger women and even the children. And every older woman, she said, is her goal that she would come to the later years of her life and be able to say, with Paul, I fight the, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Every older woman should be able to say to the young women, I want you to be a follower of me as I follow Christ. Let me show you how to live life as I've lived it, what I know, what I've hung on to for dear life. The older women, uh, you know, we should be looking out for the young women, reaching out, modeling biblical womanhood, learning it if we don't know what it is, getting our hands dirty in the lives of women, um, you know, being available, setting up, you know, even if they just need to talk, you know, I have a, I have a lot of young women that I just say, I'm available. You can text me and we can talk on the phone. You know, I will call you. I will, I have time for you. I have time for you and I will give you the time. And, and sometimes I say, especially because they're busy, I'm busy, you know, we'll do it. We can set up a phone appointment. I've done, I do that a lot to help young women. And I get together with them too, and I invite them to serve along with me. You know, if there's young women in the church who, who, um, you know, want to spend time with me, I just invite them to serve where I'm serving. Come help me in children's choir. You know, I'm going to speak at a women's conference. You want to come with me? Um, Or will you help me as I do this? And that's another way to have involvement in the lives of young women. Serve in the nursery, serve in the children's program so you can get to know the younger women. Women, or, or, or take on a, a group of young women who are single and they're looking for answers. They want to know how to navigate the dating life or how to navigate relationships, all those kinds of things. There's so many ways in the church that you can be available. Older women have, have so much to offer the church, 
But you know what? Not only do we have a lot to offer the church, but we also have a great temptation to tear down the church, you know, where we, you know, women sometimes, older women even, where they disrespect the biblical leadership of their churches when they think they know better and they buck the authority that God has put in place. And God doesn't bless that. That's why he says the character of an older woman should be reverent in her behavior. It just means that she's supposed to be holy. The kind of behavior is the same kind called for in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. These women are supposed to be women who adorn themselves with the proper clothing, modestly, discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments. They're properly dressed to call attention to the Lord and not to themselves. And, uh, you know, when you think about that verse, you know, it was a temptation then when it, this was written, but it's still a temptation. You know, as women move into their 30s and then their 40s, they begin to feel like their youth is fading and they there becomes this temptation to want all the young guys or really any guy or, or, or even other women to see them, you know, as they still they're still put together. They still have it. They still are great. You know, and then the women are tend to say, yeah, I want to prove that I still am super attractive or whatever, or I've still got it. And then if I don't have it, then as I age, I'll spare no expense to get it, you know, and it's, it's, it's become such a self-focused thing. And in the end, we all know it's a losing battle anyway. And so many times we trade being an elegant, beautiful example to help young women out of their foolishness as it pertains to being hot or being sexy or whatever you want to call it, they just become a huge stumbling block. And we might think that this is um, unique to our day, but it's not. It was a real problem in Paul's day. You know, it's, it's women are the same throughout the generations And today, maybe it's not the piling on of clothes, but it's the taking off of clothes or the painting on of clothes. I don't know. You know, they didn't have the technology back then to flaunt themselves in in the way that we do today. But sin is sin is sin is sin. We just have more ways to show our sin. And the the women that God wants us to be are women of character, women who choose good works, the kind that go with women making a claim to godliness. And then they are women who welcome children into their lives. Godly women do that. Uh, Of course, we do that by bearing them, by raising them in faith and love and purity with self-restraint, as the end of 1 Timothy 2 says. That's the kind of behavior God wants. He wants modesty. He wants discretion. He wants purity. He wants us to be submissive to our husbands. He wants godliness. He wants us to raise our children in a godly way. He wants us to help strangers. Those are all outward actions of holiness which overflow from a heart that wants to please the Lord. And this is the kind of behavior that when older women show these things, it becomes such a blessing in the church. And then instead of dreading the senior years and just getting depressed because they're getting older, young women start seeing women who are older living fruitfully, living with vitality, living with purpose before them and they become role models too because y'all everyone is going to age you may be 30 years today but the day is going to come unless the lord takes you home early when you're going to be pushing 80 when you're going to be pushing 60 or whatever you look at as like really old you'll be there one day and don't you want to have good godly examples who've walked before you who've lived those years in grace don't you want to see that so that your life can be fruitful 
people as you age. And so God wants us to be reverent. That's what his word says. He wants us to be dignified. That's what his word says. He wants us to be worthy of respect. That's what his word says. And But all of those terms don't mean that we're boring, that we're gloomy, that we're unattractive. It just means we're not foolish, that we're not stupid, for lack of a better word, that we're not frivolous. Because, y'all, as the longer you live, you know you, you, you need to be serious in life. I mean, you know, if, if you've lived long enough, you see that life is serious. It's not all fun and games. So, you know, you know, you get over a lot of the silliness of a life controlled by feelings and emotions. You know, I've lived a long time now, and I've seen a lot, and I've felt a lot. And I felt too much, I think, to be trivial all the time. You know, taking care of aging parents. I watched my mother and her siblings take care of their parents as they aged. I never knew my grandparents on my dad's side because they, you know, my grandfather died when I was an infant. And then my grandmother died when I was, I think I was three. So I never really knew them. But I did see my mom and her siblings take care of her aging parents. And now my siblings and I are doing the same thing with our mother. We see the seriousness of that and what's what is involved with that. And of course, we've we've seen people die. You know, we've seen people have struggles in life. We've lived long enough to see all kinds of tragedies in life and sadnesses. You know, there's things where we've we've stood in hospital waiting rooms. We've been, you know prayed like crazy for someone who's dealing with something that's terrible. You know, um, so many older people have watched their children rebel or they've watched their children go through terrible cancer treatments or a surgeon to come out and explain what happened while he was operating on their child. Or maybe, you know, they've they've just seen a lot. People, the longer you live, the more seriousness, the more serious things that you see. And the more you've walked with the Lord through those things, you see his faithfulness and you become again that type of person who can turn around and mentor and help the ones who are coming up uh, behind you because no one in this life is going to be spared from hard things and tragedies. You just They're just not. And, you know, the longer you live, the more you understand that you can't fix people. You can't um, change people's circumstances, but you can point them to the one who can help them, who can give them stability. And so women who are reverent in their behavior, godly women, you know, even with all the seriousness of life, they still know how to have a good time. They know how to laugh. They know what's laughable. um, And they laugh at the right kinds of things. They're like fun to be around. They have a positive outlook on life. They're realist, but but they know what's truly funny. And they don't laugh about dumb stuff. And they're not old women who speak badly, I don't know, or coarsely about aging. They smile because there's something to smile about. You know, they they love the cute sayings of innocence in children, but they don't laugh at, at immoral things. They don't laugh at um, the jokes that are in movies that are, are that the Bible would call coarse jesting, and they certainly don't become sarcastic and cynical as they age. God says reverent in their behavior. And then he adds, secondly, not malicious gossips. 
And of course, there's like a contrast right there because there's nothing that's more like the evil one than gossip and slander. I mean, think about your relationships with women. I don't care what age you are. What kind of conversations abound when you get together with your girlfriends? What kind of women do you want to be around? The ones who raise the bar for you and speak truth? The ones who challenge you to become more like the Lord? Or do you prefer to be in the company of those whose conversations sink to the lowest common denominator and with whom you can just unrighteously vent everything? You know, the Bible tells us that that the evil one is a malicious slanderer. He slanders night and day. That's what the Bible says. The Bible calls him an accuser of the brethren. The Bible also calls him a liar. And God is telling us not to be like that. You know, so often talk among women quickly becomes gossip. It becomes criticism. It becomes tearing people down and slander. And the scripture tells us that's what the evil one is like. And older women are supposed to be mature enough where they have matured past that, where they're not venting their sin nature through their speech. They should be anything but a malicious gossip. So, you know, that I think one of the applications for me over the years is that I, I've learned that I need to be careful of rants. I'm still learning this, you know, of, of just venting. And, uh, you know, sometimes we say, well, I just need to vent. I just need to rant. And I know sometimes we need to share our heartache and our struggles. But our sharing of that needs to be, number one, obviously with the Lord, but then with with someone who can help us through it because our goal is to get past it. And so we need to just think about that and ask ourselves some questions. Are we sharing our frustrations with a godly person so that we can be encouraged to see our frustrations from the perspective of God so that we'll grow up in Christ and know next time how to handle those frustrations? Or are we just ranting for the sake of ranting? You know, and in my younger years especially, I learned the hard way about some of the so-called venting and ranting. And here's the thing, you know, now with, you know, just the with technology giving us quick access to post things and distribute things and just say things off the cuff. You know, we just can give updates. We can just put things out there, whether we're tweeting it, whether we're putting it on so whatever way of social media, we just put it up there. We especially need to be careful about our words. You know, I am on Twitter, and I enjoy Twitter, but wow, do I see a lot of venting and ranting where people need to show a little bit more restraint. You know, God tells us in His Word that He holds us accountable for every idle word. And of course, you know, even think about one of the reasons, you know, that God gives in His Word why He wants young widows to get married, bear children, and keep house. By the way, that's what He says. I didn't say it. He says, at the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house and not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies and talking about things not proper to mention. He's talking about young women here, and he's talking about women who have lost their husbands, and he's ta- he's telling um, he's telling Timothy they don't need to be put on this list to be cared for by the church because there was a special ministry for these older women to, to have in the life of the church. And he says, I don't want the young women to be on there because basically he's saying they're just not mature enough yet. You know, that that they'll, they'll learn to be idle. And we all know that idleness creates an atmosphere of just going around gossiping, sticking your nose in other people's business, talking about improper things, being in conversation that sinks to the lowest 
dregs of the ocean. And we have to be careful about that. So God wants the bulk of a young married woman's time to be used working at home, working there, not just sitting there, but working there to be busy raising her family, taking care of her family, looking well to the ways of her household, being her husband's helper, keeping the home, all those things. And he wants the older women to help them with this and to encourage them in this, not having a bunch of quote unquote free time that they can squander and stick their nose into other people's businesses. This is the biblical pattern. This is what you see in scripture. Yes, what you see, you know, and he goes on, he says, they're supposed to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine. And of course, this term's referring to someone who is a drunk. It's a strong term. And apparently in this island of Crete, as elsewhere, older people could easily turn to stimulants to help deal with the sadnesses of life, the aches of their bodies, their tired minds. And he says women are not to do that. He's basically saying you don't need to have an addictive personality. God wants us, even as we age, to maintain our senses as much as we can. We know there's things that happen to us as we get older. We can't control that because we live in a sinful, fallen world. We live in a fallen world, and we get illnesses, and things happen to our brains, and things happen to our physical bodies. But God wants our senses to be sharp as much as they can be sharp. And of course, when he uses this whole term about wine, he knows that in those days it was part of the woman's responsibility in the home to mix her family's water with wine so the water wouldn't be contaminated. But it was still wine, and a woman could start drinking it without mixing it, and they might have a temptation to dull their senses a bit, so that and they might drink it, and they might become enslaved to it, and God doesn't want that. He wants her to be in control of her senses. So reverent in her behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, and these women are to set the tone for godly relationships. Why should they be this kind of woman? Why should we as older women be this kind of woman? And you know why? God says very clearly because he has a ministry for us, a relationship-based women's ministry that only women can fulfill in their local churches, a ministry that God has withheld from the men. It is from for women only, and it's found at the end of verse 3. They are to be teaching what is good. That's what he wants us to do. We're supposed to be teaching with our lives, yes, and with our words. We are the ones to have this kind of mentoring, teaching, living relationship with the young women. And that's what we learn in verse 4, because God knows that if you are a woman of character, a godly woman, that you are the best teacher of the young women, the young women need you. But how? What? When? You know, you keep reading this passage. God covers every single detail. Titus, tell the older women to teach the young women these things. Teach them, train them, encourage them to love their husbands, love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands. And as an older woman, if you don't know these things, if you have been squandering your years listening to and behaving like the culture, it's not too late. We just need to repent, come back to God's way, Learn biblical womanhood. Learn these things. You know, just just immerse yourself in the Word of God. You know, I've taught a whole series called The Lost Art of Biblical Womanhood, which you can listen to on the Search the Scriptures app, which walks through Genesis and tells us how God created us. And our church, you know, believes the Bible about gender roles. 
And all women, if you're in a good Bible teaching church that has that's teaching the word, then you'll you'll grow. You'll take you'll take seriously as your pastor's preaching through the word of God. And you should make it your goal to learn these things for the next generation. You need to know what sometimes I call the woman passages. Obviously, you need need to know the whole of Scripture. But God says so much about women's roles in His Word. You know, know, obviously back to creation in Genesis, but then there's Proverbs, there's 1 and 2 Timothy, there's Titus, there's 1 Peter 3. All over the Word of God, God tells us, and then He gives us tremendous biblical examples in His Word. And of course, then you might ask the question, well, why should I teach and train the young women in this In these things, God tells us again right here, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Older women, you teach the younger women. Some of those younger women will be your adult daughters and your daughters-in-law. They need you and you need them. They need you to be available to them. You need them to keep you grounded and responsible. Some will be your granddaughters. And if you don't have young women in your life like that, it will be the young women in your church. That's why you have to have godly older women in the congregation to teach the younger ones, to teach them how to raise their children, how to love their husbands, and how to be godly. And of course, the primary teaching, training, mentoring, relationship place of an older woman is from the home. Informal teaching by word, by deed, by just being available. It doesn't even have to be in a formal ministry. I often tell the women in our church, and we call them Titus moms, you know, some women who I always I often tell them that their ministry is primarily one of availability. But, you know, then too, by example, in a group of women assembled at the church or in a home, you know, just like we do at Woman's Life in our church, it's the kind of the flagship way when we gather and I will teach from God's word and we have small groups and it's a place for young and older women to connect and get to know each other. And and then we have smaller groups that some of our groups meet, they meet ongoing. And hopefully this year, um, you know, more of our um, Titus moms will be leading small groups throughout the year. Those are the kinds of things, you know, uh, you know, and if what's going to happen if the older women, um, you know, if they'll, if they'll stop doing all these book clubs and they'll just stop doing all these silly things and they'll really invest them, their lives in the church. You know, we, 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 that's what we need. We need our, our women to invest their time in things that matter for eternity you know, sometimes I just tell some of the older women, just call up a young woman who's knee-deep in diapers and frustration. Call her and encourage her. Stop by. Ask her how you you can help her from time to time. And then you'll find that she encourages you as well because you need her as much as she needs you. You know, sometimes you can do things like, you know, you can just get the Mothering from the Heart Bible study. Well, actually, I'm calling it Biblical Mothering now. You can go back previous podcasts where I taught the, where we posted it on this podcast, and you can listen to that to, to get your feet wet, to understand more of a vision for that. You know, coming up soon in our church, I'm going to have my daughter here, and, and she's going to teach her vision for motherhood study in our church. And there's, you know, just learn these things because you haven't outgrown these things. You don't know all these things. I don't know all these things. I still need to stay fresh. I still need to be refreshed so that I can continue to help those young women who are around me. 
So that's the kind of thing that you can do because some of you were probably never taught these kinds of principles of biblical womanhood and and what it means to biblically mother children. When Maybe you didn't understand those things when you were raising your children and you need to learn them as much as the young women do, but you still have years of experience to draw from to encourage and help the younger women no matter what age or stage or season of life they are in. And I can't tell you exactly how all of this should happen, but I know it should happen, you know, and again, I've said it several times, I think, in this podcast today, but be a part of your local church. Don't just be an attender, you know, get to know the people there, you know, be involved as in the body life of your church. The, you know, that's where young women come. They come to your church and whether you're, I don't know how your church has things, if they have, if they have Sunday school, if they have adult Bible fellowships or whatever they do, but it's ways to be involved. If they have, if you there's large group events or even the, some of the things for children like Awana or Wednesday nights. Be there where the young families know who you are. And not just the young families. I'm thinking about single young women, too. You know, I, I love that in our church. I love the group of single young women that, you know, they're just, they just give me, they are just so encouraging to me. I just love that. But, um, but you just have to do that. You have to make the primary use of your time and energy in your church before you do other things. You know, and again, I'll say it again. I'm not at, against outside things, but your church is your church, and you should be involved in your church. That's where your young women are, and that's where you should get your hands dirty first. You know, that's what we should do. You know, God's given a charge to older women. Older women are to be the ones seeking to build safe places for young women to learn and grow. You know, and so for so long, older women in the church have abandoned the, this role. They've just only gathered with other older women. And they so often have not seen the need to get their hands dirty in the lives of the young women. And sometimes it's because they feel like maybe the young women don't want them involved. But I'm just going to tell you, women who love Christ and who understand his word, we need each other no matter what season of life and no matter what generation we are in. You know, I'm going to close out the podcast today with with this, with these verses. I love this. And again, this is in Titus, this is in, ch- in Titus chapter three, because here's the why of everything that I've shared with you today. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. That's how Paul closes out chapter 2 of Titus. And I, I love that because what he's reminding us of is that it's all about the gospel. How we live our lives as older women and, and all the other groups in the church, it's all about the gospel. It's all about the cross. It's all about bringing honor to the one who saved us according to his 
mercy. Father, I thank you for just having this um, time to share some of the things that are on my heart, even today as I have uh, embraced the fact that this is my 65th birthday, and I want to live my life for your glory, and I want to invite other women uh, to join me, to live for you, no matter what age or stage we're in. Father, I pray for so many young women who are listening to me, who are in the throes of mothering their children, and I pray for them that they would invest their lives into those little disciples, you know, those children that you have given them to lead to Christ, to live out what your word says before them, to be the helper to their husbands that they need to be, even for them to know how to balance their lives that they, they, um, they need to give the best of their days to their homes and families and be the worker there that God wants them to be. And then I pray for the women who are uh, in my stage of life that you would show us we can't do everything. We can't be involved in every woman's life, but we can be involved in some. Help us um, to know how to do that and give us the strength to do it. Help us to be the vital part of the local church that you've called us to be. Father, I give you praise and thanks. I thank you for all the young women that you have blessed my life with, those who are teenagers, those who are children, and those who are teenagers, and those who are young single women. Father, I so many faces are just going in front of my in my brain, even as I'm praying, of women in our church who have blessed my life um, these uh, years that you've given me on this earth. And I pray that you would continue to use me and to use all the women who are listening to me today for your glory and for the gospel. It's your name. I pray. Amen. If you enjoyed this episode of Rare But Real, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. And share this podcast with friends. Follow Audrey on Instagram and Facebook at Mothering from the Heart. And listen to all her messages on the Search the Scriptures app.